sometimes we're making this harder than it needs to be for those that we work with. It's not really their day job. They're trying to accomplish something else. We're just trying to help them get there. And so we need to really think differently. Like they may not be as passionate about this as we are, and that's absolutely okay. You know, we're asking people when we're asking them to start making improvements is to be brave and not worry about screwing it up the first time, you know, that you, you kind of have to try a few things and find your way and that's okay. That's, that's what learning is, but it's hard to feel safe doing that sometimes in the work environment when your coworkers are staring at what you're doing or you're feeling like, oh, I better get this right. Hey everyone, I'm Elizabeth Swan. And I'm Tracy O'Rourke, and we're from the Just In Time Cafe. Welcome to our podcast. At the cafe, we wrestle with tough questions, talk to groundbreakers, discuss great books, and get insights from lean Six Sigma practitioners who are making a difference in the world. We let you in on helpful apps, we bring you the news, and we challenge the status quo so you can build your problem-solving muscles. So Elizabeth, what is on the cafe menu today? Well, Tracy, today's highlight is our interview with Krista Schulte, the Assistant Director of Operational Excellence for the University of Michigan. Krista gives us a glimpse into how Lean gains traction in higher education. For hot apps, we delve into artificial intelligence again, and the results are real and really useful. Um, we're gonna tell you how to use it for change management, kind of a new thing. Mm -hmm. And for Q&A, for Q&A, we touch on the temptation to do things ourselves, even when we are sacrificing collaboration. It's a great day at the cafe, Tracy. Absolutely. Up next, it's hot apps. Yes, it's an AI writing tool and it's getting higher marks than ChatGPT. It's a marketing tool, and you might wonder what connection it has to continuous improvement. And I'd say that everyone in continuous improvement is a marketer, right? How many times have you heard, Tracy, from uh, team leads or clients about their struggles to engage everybody in fixing processes, um, especially if they see it as an extra job, right? I have my main job. Now you give me another job. Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to a way to, you know, remove wasted time and rework and everything that's in the way of them, people having a great job, right? So, you know, if you find yourself trying to sell process improvement or convince someone that your countermeasure is going to help them, then AI, in this case, Write Sonic, that's the app we're using, um, or that we tried out for today, could help you, right? So Tracy, what's your take on that idea that we're all marketers when it comes to change management, you know, that, you know, in the awareness and desire phases of the pro-sci ad car model, you could use a little help, right? I 100% agree. Uh, there are many clients that have said they need help. And after some root cause analysis, <laughs> what wow. I find is they have the results they have the support. They are making progress. They don't have a program problem. They don't have a project results problem. They have a marketing problem. <laughs> They're not sharing successes. 
No processes are established to share and celebrate success. And they don't have somebody spending time writing the success stories and the marketing. And that to me is the most exciting part. Like, why wouldn't you want to do that? Because you're shedding, you're sharing and putting a bright spot on people that are successful. And they so appreciate it too, right? I mean, let's face it. People do say, I don't want recognition. I don't want recognition. They don't want to have to ask for recognition. They want recognition. And so this is so important too, because as we know about the change curve, we need to show a certain group of people that this stuff is working before they will even dip their toe in the pool. And so this is really important because if you're in this situation where you've got the early adopters behind you, and now you're going after that middle group, that large middle group, they haven't even moved because they're waiting to see that it's worked and is successful with others. So in addition, I think the other piece that's really important is when you have events like gallery walks or process improvement presentations where people are sharing their ideas, if people don't know about it, you know, how are they going to attend? And that is just, it just deflates the whole effort when you do an event and it's not marketed very well and then nobody shows up. But I think a lot of it is because we don't really tell people, remind people, get excited about it. And, and then they're like, oh, I didn't know. And so that's just, that's just, there's no excuse for that, honestly. I am still stuck on that comment you just made is that people say they don't want um, recognition and you're saying, no, they don't want to have to ask for recognition. And that is sticking with me, Tracy. We're going to come back to that. Not today's podcast, but I'm coming back to that because that is so true. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I think the, the work people are doing and the events, right? Such huge pieces. So playing with Write Sonic, and I used a free version. I'll come back to the pricing structure, but they have pre premium versus superior versions. Uh, and that's kind of with the text you get back, you know, it sounds, those sound like synonyms to me, really, you know, it's like, you know, when you go to Starbucks and you're like, you know, Vente Grande, <laughs> it's a goat rodeo, but basically it's either free chat, uh, chat GPT or the paid version, right. For that aspect. So premium, pretty good for the purposes we're talking about. Um, And what's helpful about the app is it, it offers distinct categories for you, like blog titles, paragraph writer. And maybe those aren't exactly what you want, but I played with it a little bit. So I wanted to see if it could draft a project title using a blog title um, or the blog title function. It's one thing to write a problem statement. We've discussed that. That's a process. That's the thing people also have issues with. But it's another thing to name your project. And you and I have worked with groups that have great names and it's fun. Like people get really engaged. Like I had a project recently where it was Trey's Anatomy, right? They're, <laughs> they're trying to get breakfast to the patient sooner, which is a takeoff on Gray's Anatomy. Another, um, uh, another one was 340B, which was a form or not to be. They made the whole thing in the in the style of Shakespeare also hilarious. So I used the blog title function and I put it in the subject uh, and you can have a lot of space to put whatever you want in the subject. But I just said, it takes too long for patients to get their test results, right? That's what I'm working on. And it gave me like, you know, breaking the waiting game or accelerating healthcare 
or, you know, from frustration to efficiency. Um, and then it had subtitles, you know, how to get faster test results for patients, um, you know, solving the test result delayed dilemma, a little alliteration there. Um, they're kind of pithy, get my attention. Um, and then you can use paragraph writer, right? That's kind of generic uh, to craft a, what I would say is a whiffum or a what's in it for me statement for a stakeholder. Um, you tried that one, didn't you, Tracy? Mm-hmm. Yes. So first off, I got to choose a topic. So there's room for 600 characters. So you can expand here. And I gave us some info around, okay, how do I get people to want to try to use this test input field? What are some of the benefits? So I was just putting in some key phrases like new test input field requires less input, easier to fill out, you know, basic stuff that it's kind of blah, 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 right? So I'm, I want to see what they can do, what it can do to maybe amp it up a little. And then I chose the tone of voice I wanted to use. So encouraging versus excited, professional, witty, and a few other options. And then you get to choose how many words, about 100. Uh, there were a few other options, but the last one is how many versions I wanted. And the default was three versions. And you know what? It did a really good job of amping it up, you know, getting a little spice with, you know, benefits that would sound kind of wah, wah. I mean, who wants wah, wah when you're trying to get people excited? So they said, you know, what they, what it came back was, as an example, this new test input field is a game changer for you in so many ways. Not only does it require less input, but it's also incredibly easy to fill out. Gone are the days of spending endless hours navigating through complicated forms. Wow, that was way better. <laughs> it's a little excitable. <laughs> <laughs> Probably doesn't help that, you know, I'm putting in some of that too. And the best part is it will save you precious time. Imagine being able to dedicate more of your attention to your patients rather than getting caught up in a mundane administrative task. So I love that it put some of these very colorful adjectives, maybe that I wouldn't put in there, or maybe it might take me a little extra effort to come up with these creative adjectives. Um, no, I like it. I like it. But um, ultimately, whatever it spits out, I mean, you can always simplify it, shorten it, edit it, or try again. Yeah. Good thing to remind ourselves with AI. They give you something, but then you put it in your own voice. You know, maybe you wouldn't use all the exclamation points that it offered up, right? <laughs> uh, maybe encouraging got, was bordering on excite, excitable. So, uh, but I love that you can choose that there was a professional version. Maybe you're a little more subdued. You could do a professional voice. But that idea that you have seven different voices to choose from, I would say start stay away from the sarcastic voice. <laughs> that was one of the options. I was like, I don't think that's going to work in marketing. Um, so just in terms of pricing options, uh, Tracy and I are using their free trial. It offers 10,000 free words per month. You know, you can stick with that. It's also the currently free version of chat GPT, which is 3.5. Uh, you've also got the unlimited version. I think that's 16 a month. If you pay it annually, $20 a month. If you do it monthly business plans, you can also uh, get some that are 1267 a month for 200,000 words. And that refreshes every month. So uh, write Sonic. It's kind of, it's, it's channeling all different formats for, for marketing uh, with AI and, Tracy and I have played with it. And I think if you would like some help getting excitement around improvement efforts on any level, right? At the higher levels, trying to drum up uh, 
people to come to events or personal level, and you've got a project, you want to get some stakeholders engaged, I think it's worth a shot. What do you think, Tracy? Absolutely. It's it's pretty nice. Or you could just hire somebody like me on your team that is just excited about everything all the time. But you know, I'm not cheap. <laughs> no one's ever said that about you, Tracy. <laughs> I'm Elizabeth Swan, and you're listening to the Just In Time Cafe podcast. In a short while, you get to hear our interview with Krista Schulte. Next up, it's our tendency to go it alone. Even though there are people who'd love to help us, this is so, this is such a constant. You know, whether people are experienced or new, you know, there's a tendency to take things on yourself and maybe people think they know better maybe they think it'll be faster or they just don't want to bother anyone they think they're even doing somebody a favor and it reminds me of I someone told me an anecdote once that Jimmy Carter once spent an entire weekend working out the budget all by himself and then was shocked on Monday when nobody wanted any part of it right he was trying to be efficient but by leaving everybody out he got zero acceptance. Doesn't that happen a lot? Yes. I. This has been my mantra, especially around, I mean, there's lots of, I see a lot of people trying to go at it alone because you're right. They think it's more efficient. They think it's going to be faster, but in actuality, that part is faster, but then you run into it. Just It just adds on the back end when you're trying to get buy-in. So I think the approach of going at it alone actually lengthens the actual change. People go, why don't they want to change? Because you didn't involve them. And the biggest one that I've been harping on a lot lately is process walks. Like we talk about process walks and we tell people, don't do it alone. Go with the group, go with everyone or a majority of people that work in the process. Yet I still have people in my classes that report back and say, oh, I went by myself. Why? Right. And I kind of, I tell them, I say, you, you, this is something people need to see with you. They need to see the pain too. It's very different when you try to go see all the changes and all the pain, and now you're going to tell them what to do. It doesn't work. It's not as effective. They need to see the pain. They need to see the redundancies and they are now motivated to make the change. Now, unless you want to go ahead and own motivating them to make the change, then go by yourself because we know it doesn't work. And I, I mean, I get so passionate talking about this and yet the natural tendency is to walk the process myself because I want to see it and I want to fix it. And you just robbed everybody of the collaboration and the ahas. And now you're going to, you have to go embark on the change yourself. So like, yeah, I mean, that is so important. Yeah. I mean, God, you point out two great things. If you own all of this, then you will continue to own all of this. You'll never be sharing the burden. And I think that's something I try to remind people of on all aspects. If you do not share ownership, then it's all on you. And that gets heavy, right? That burden gets heavy. It makes this kind of work really less appealing. Mm-hmm. You know, I can see people sort of bottoming out because it's like, well, I can't do that. I can't keep up with this. It's like, yeah, because you didn't invite people into it. And the other thing I love that you pointed out is it's a, it's a false economy. You think you're saving time. I'm faster at this. I can get this thing done. I know it better. 
and I won't bother people, but you pay for it on the back end. You pay for it when it's time for folks to get involved and make the thing happen, right? Now you get you get resistance. You get people that have no idea of the things you've seen because you didn't invite them. Mm-hmm. So that's a great one. I'm I'm sorry. Um, that's happening a lot in terms of Gemba Walks, but I will get on that campaign with you, Tracy. I will work hard. And I want to share one more that is really important too, that I, it just the messages keep coming to me. And that is people sometimes when they go to change a process, if they know that someone was part of designing that original process, they want to exclude them because they're like, oh, they're not going to want to change. And they want to exclude them and go behind their back. You need that person. And just be mindful not to call their baby ugly, right? So don't call their baby ugly. Acknowledge their work. Acknowledge that they were the co-creator of that process and that it worked great for a long time. And now it's time to rethink this process because things are different now. Just acknowledge, appreciate, and bring them with you. Don't go at it alone. Don't go out without them because it's not going to be good. <laughs> I will, Tracy, once again, your way with words. So I will just leave this topic with two pieces of wisdom I would like to reinforce from my good friend, Tracy. One is don't assume resistance. And the more important one, do not call someone's baby ugly. Just don't do it. <laughs> I'm Tracy Rourke, and you're listening to the Just In Time Cafe podcast. We host these monthly, so you can go to www.jitcafe, that's J-I-T-C-A-F-E dot com, and go to our podcast page. Coming up next, it's our featured guest, Krista Schulte. Tracy, can you tell our listeners a little bit about Krista? Love to. So Krista Schulte leads Organization Excellence, a program at the University of Michigan offering consulting, coaching, training, and a community of practice to help staff, faculty, and students address issues and uncover new possibilities. So Krista came to the university in March of 2015 from Vistian Corporation, where she served as a lean advisor to global product development teams for over 10 years. And prior to that, She applied lean at Ford in different engineering process leadership and operations roles. Krista earned a BS industrial and operations engineering degree and MSc engineering management from the University of Michigan and is a Six Sigma black belt. She also sits on the steering group for the lean HE that's lean in higher education Americas. And you're going to get to hear her little stories about having Jeff Liker as a professor. Oh my goodness. Professor Liker. We are so psyched to have her at the cafe. Hi, Krista. Welcome to the Just in Time Cafe. Thank Um, you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, great to have you. So we are so excited to hear about a couple of things from you, Krista. So coming from the University of Michigan, first, let's start with you were a student there. Is that right? I was a student there. I was an engineering student. And um, I have to tell you, it was not uh, love at first sight between me and engineering. And but, you know, it was like, keep grinding, keep grinding. And then in my senior year, I took a class with Professor Jeff Liker, 
And that was it. That it was just the thing that resonated for me. And uh, ever since then, I've really dedicated, you know, all my work has been about that topic about lean, uh, because it just really, that was a thing. Uh huh. Yes. So did you go on all the tours to places like Menlo Innovations and Zingerman's as well as part of that um, study? Well, I didn't do it as a student, but I've done quite a few tours since then. I have seen Menlo. Um, I think one of the most formative experiences for me was I actually visited a Toyota factory Mm -hmm. in Kentucky. So they were really the leading edge of developing the system. And that was very eye-opening. Was Tracy Tracy Richardson there at the time still? If she was, I did not meet her. Ah, okay. But anyway, Jeffrey, Professor Liker, you had Professor Liker. What was he like as a professor? He was young. My gosh, it was, it, you know, it was a long time ago. He was still early in his career. Wow. And um, I think what I liked about the lectures is that it was always interesting. It was always something new. Um, he was never... Um, he made things interesting. He helped you really see into whatever topic he was talking about, you know, whether we were learning about, you know, the Hawthorne effect or uh, learning some of these principles, um, you know, in a way it felt like we were learning together because he was still early enough in his career that he hadn't published a lot of his landmark books yet. Uh-huh. So it was, it was really neat to be kind of in the leading edge of this kind of work. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah. He's a great teacher. Yes. So you uh, made it part of your career. So you are currently now part of operational excellence at the University of Michigan. And how long have you been doing that? So um, I came to University of Michigan in 2015 um, to really start a lean program for campus. Um, Our medical system had already been Uh, doing a lot of lean work, but campus really hadn't done any kind of coordinated efforts. So I came in 2015. Before that, I'd spent my whole career in the automotive sector. Um, So it was a a very different culture coming to higher ed, but the, the problems were the same. The kind of experiences were the same. I feel like every time you are bringing together people and systems and processes, it kind of doesn't matter where they're from. They're all experiencing the same kinds of issues. So it's almost like, you know, you might go to a different country, like go to France, they might be speaking a different language, but they're still living the same kind of daily life and having the same kind of experiences. So that's, that's kind of what my transition felt like coming into higher ed for the first time. Um, But, you know, I think since 2015, we've been gradually experimenting and learning what's effective in this type of culture and community. And about, I guess, 2020, we really rebranded our whole program to call it Organizational Excellence because we felt like that's that's where we're headed. That's our North Star. That's what we're trying to help people achieve. And we we started... um, just changing the way we talk about this kind of work to make mm. it feel hopefully a little more accessible 
to the people that we're working with. It's so critical. I think people forget the impact of language and that the way we, the words we use, um, you know, the jargon can create unintentionally in crowds and out crowds. And people immediately sense, oh, I'm not really part of this crowd. They're using a special language and I don't know it. And so what you've done and Tracy and I do this, you know, it's our kind of the, we, we don't even think about it anymore. It's so much part of the way we operate in the world is to meet people where they are, which is what you did. Right. And it's yeah. why we see so many different words used for continuous improvement, because we realize people don't often really get what we're talking about. So let's, let's talk about it in terms that they're using. And you did that, which is great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we're also really active in providing continuous improvement, operational excellence, you know, whatever we're going to call it, training in higher education institutions. What are the, some of the challenges you see for lean in higher education? Um, I'm, I'm thinking back to a talk that um, I gave last year at the last Lean in Higher Ed conference. Um, I partnered with John Hogg from the University of Strathclyde. Um, they have an amazing program there. And I find John and I really share a similar worldview toward what we're trying to accomplish as we work with others and, and try to develop our teams. Um, I think one of the things we realized is that um, sometimes we're making this harder than it needs to be for those that we work with. We need to remind ourselves sometimes that um, even though we're living and breathing this stuff and we can't get enough of it and we could read about it all day, for those that we're working with, it's not really their day job. They're trying to accomplish something else. And we're just trying to help them get there. Um, And so we need to really think differently. Like, they may not be as passionate about this as we are, and that's absolutely okay. That's the reason that they're doing their work and we're doing ours. So it's just trying to take a different approach and remember what it's like to be in their shoes, um, trying to learn something new, trying to take some risks. You know, we're asking people, when we're asking them to start making improvements, is to be brave and not worry about screwing it up the first time, you know, that you you kind of have to try a few things and find your way. And that's okay. That's, that's what learning is, but it's hard to feel safe doing that sometimes in the work environment when your coworkers are staring at what you're doing or you're feeling like, boy, I better get this right. But um, I think it, you're, you're, you're tapping something. I think I feel all the time that they have that fear. Like, did I do this right? Or I didn't get, you know, I didn't hit my goal or I didn't, you know, I don't, you know, I, the, the fear of screwing it up. And so constantly trying to give this mantra, I'm, I'm interested in if you do this, something like this, but of like, this is all experimentation and the thing we're doing is learning how to do this. So all, it's all good, right? It's all whatever you, I think that it's a great Mandela quote. I think I, and not, yeah, I've either, I either succeed or I learn. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like one of the challenges is I feel like we need to be reminding 
if we're the, the lean practitioners and we're trying to help others, we need to remind ourselves that we're not we're not grading their work. You know, if somebody's trying to do an A3, we're not saying, well, you know, problem statement really is I'm gonna give it a C. <laughs> no, it's like that's not what it's about, right? It's like to me, it's like if they're trying and they're learning from it and they're trying again, they're doing it right. They're yeah. doing it right. It's not yeah. about how well you did your improvement effort. It's like, did you learn something? Can you try again better next time? Mm -hmm. Well, UC San Diego, as you know, because they are hosting the Lean and Higher Education Conference this year in 2023, they are have made some really significant strides with having staff implement process improvement. They've trained, I want to say, was is it 6,000 problem solvers like Yellow Belt and Green Belt? And I just spent the summer training UC Santa Barbara, UCLA, UC San Diego, Cal State LA, all of these institutions that are in California, because obviously that's where I'm at. And, you know, they're really trying. And, and some of the interesting challenges I've been seeing is um, all the processes are invisible, right? So it's not like a manufacturing organization or even a widgety process, you know, like, I don't know, like healthcare has processes, but they're pretty widgety. But education, invisible, non-widgety processes, and so getting them to understand the flow and why that's important, it has been really interesting. And obviously it varies as you know, by individual. Some people are really process focused and other people are not. But I think that has been really interesting for them to kind of get this aha, like, oh yeah, it's a series of steps that we all have to do and we actually can affect that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I, I think my favorite thing is going to sound, you know, it's it's just fun from being an instructor, but the most creative project names come out of education. <laughs> like, I just love it. They just have great, like, cause we always say, okay, come up with the project title. And it's always so funny. I mean, they're, they're so funny, like no mo slow flow and um, don't holla at the scala. <laughs> that's great yeah or like at uc santa barbara where all students most students are you know using bikes you know one one project was you stole my bike because if students park it in the wrong space and they have to go retrieve it it takes over an hour to get their bike back and so they're like yeah. trying to improve that process so i i just think you know i just love that because they're so creative and um wanting to learn, but it, it feels like they're enjoying the process as well too. What are some of the bright spots you've seen, Krista? I think, you know, sometimes when we're doing a mapping session and uh, this has been true forever, um, always when we're in a mapping session is that we'll have people come together and there's, there's such that aha moment where everyone is seeing something for this for the first time um they're making the connections they're understanding how they're all part of this mm -hmm. and how they're impacting each other when things aren't working like often people are oblivious when they're doing they're delivering a piece of their work and they really don't know how the next person will be using it or you know evaluating it and 
when we're all in a room and people are suddenly like, oh, I had no idea that this is how this worked, just those discovery moments. And um, we were working recently and, you know, one of the statements that came out of that was um, one of the major stakeholders, she said she felt heard. She felt heard. Mm. She'd been really struggling. She was kind of at the, the end of the process and all the things were coming to her. And she'd really been struggling with how things were being delivered and trying to make the best of it and get everything done. And it was just, it was rough sledding. And, um, you know, because things weren't coming to her in the way that it would make it easier and more effective. And she was finally able to voice that and just, you know, having, being acknowledged that, um, there might be a different way and that people were open to it and supportive and, you know, just really a great, a great team culture to help each other. Nice. Nice. Um, Krista, tell us about the lean in higher education conference that took place in Michigan. Oh, uh, we were, we were privileged to host the conference in 2019. Um, this was the last time we came together in person before the pandemic. Um, we had no idea what was right around the corner because we we gathered in November of 2019. Um, I think to us, what's amazing about bringing together the, the people that come to this conference is the atmosphere that's created there. Um, you know, it's like being in a room with a bunch of your best friends and you're all learning together and you're sharing together. Um, one of the things that makes this conference feel different to me is that people are so generous with their, their time and their thoughts and their willingness to collaborate. Um, it's so easy to ask for help and ask someone else, like, how did you guys figure out how to do that? How did you figure out how to say that? that it, that it connects with others. Um, people are just so giving at this conference and they're also very candid in sharing what they've tried that maybe didn't go very well so that everyone else in the room can learn about it and think about it and benefit. Um, I, I think it's just a really, it's a great group of people. Um, so it's easy to have a good experience. What, so, I just want to. I just want to say before you go, Tracy, just that combination of candid and generous. That is awesome. Like that, you know, what a what a beautiful combo. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is going to be my first time that I've attended in person the Lean and Higher Education Conference because I didn't know about it in 2019. And then obviously it was COVID, but they still had yeah. them. I think what's very unusual. And like no other lean conference that I've been to is this conference is, has a global, it's global. So, you know, I think what last year they had it in Australia, the year before that they had it in Scotland. And then the year before that, where did they have it? Um, I can't remember after Michigan, but it, it like, it trots across the world, like globe trotting. It's a globe trotting conference, right? So, it's which like, is really cool. Yeah. Um, and I've never, you know, I've been to lots of lean conferences, but a lot of them are in the U.S. And they, they, you know, maybe 
switch locations, but it's always in the US. It's never, you know, um, I think AME once had it in Canada. But um, and then, you know, like the the conference in Brazil or the, it's always in those locations. But this one goes everywhere. And I think that's pretty cool. And it also means that you have a global audience, right? There's a lot of people that go across the globe to be at these conferences. So oh, wasn't it at Dubai is in Dubai as well or it, um, someplace no, it, like that? Not yet. It hasn't been in not Dubai yet. yet. Okay. But it, yeah, it's been in um Australia and um, I'm trying to think there was in 2020, we just had an online conference because people were still trying to figure out what to do about the mm-hmm. pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so and it was in the UK once as well. It's been in, yeah, in the early days, I think it, the first one was maybe in 2014 and there were a couple in the UK, mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. Norway, there was one in yeah. Norway. Oh, nice. yeah, I, I have to get on this mailing list. These are all places that I want to go. So you just named like my bucket list. So get me yeah, exactly. I want on this train. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the wonderful things about it is that um, in, in each place, you really get a feel for the culture, um, you know, how different it is and mm. how, uh, what their humor is like. And, um, you know, just some kind of the inside jokes. You really feel the personality of the hosting team. Um, so it, it seems like whatever region it's in and it rotates every three years to the different regions from Asia Pacific to Europe, to the Americas, um, you always, there's always the, the attendees are predominantly from the one region and then maybe, I don't know, 25%, 30% of folks attending come from other regions. Mm -hmm. So it gives you a real chance to, um, just learn about what other groups are doing that they're what they're emphasizing that maybe you haven't been thinking about or learning about like yeah. i always notice the europeans like the they really bring sustainability into their work it's they're just very mindful of that mm-hmm. i feel more, more so than the americas are yet like it's it's growing but i feel like they're they're more mindful of that, bringing that in. And so it's interesting to be in conversations and suddenly yeah. you're seeing a side of things that you hadn't considered. It's uh-huh. a cultural yeah. education. I love yeah. it. Absolutely. That's wonderful. So Absolutely. this year, UC San Diego, I'm actually working on I'm part of the planning committee because it is part of UC San Diego. I'm actually going to be the MC of the, of the conference. So I'm really looking forward to it as well. It's October 18th through the 20th. If anyone is interested in attending, I will say though, this is almost at capacity. So I think that's the other interesting thing is there's some other conferences that are struggling to get people. And this one is almost full. Like they're, wow. they're, they're going to, we still have six weeks to go and the cutoff is coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> because Tracy, they're almost at capacity. Tracy, are you going to turn it into a harvest ball? Is that what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tracy. I do love Halloween. She does. <laughs> And yeah, Ms. watch Fix-a-Lot, out, Krista. Miss Fixalot might make an appearance, but Ooh. you know. <laughs> Ooh, we can only yeah. hope. So, Krista, is there anything that we didn't ask you that you want to share with the audience? Well, just kind of as a follow-on to to what Tracy was saying, I would I think if you're if you're trying to do this kind of work, um, if you come to this conference, you're gonna meet 
some of the people who are leading edge in this kind of work, you're going to have a chance to just talk with them between breaks, have lunch with them. Um, as I mentioned, everyone is so giving and so supportive of each other. It really is a community. Like once, once you're, you're known, it's like people reach out to you, people support you. It's a great opportunity to, to meet some of those people that you might've seen their book. Um, and this is a great chance to spend three days thinking with others who are trying to work on the same kind of things you're working on. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yes. Very exciting. Can't wait. Well, thanks for coming to the cafe, Krista. How might someone get in touch with you if they wanted to connect with you? The easiest way is just reach out and email me or they can reach me on LinkedIn. But um, we love to hear from others. We uh, often um, host other universities. Um, They like to spend a day or spend an hour or two with us on the phone. And we welcome that. We really see it as part of our mission to help other universities do this kind of work and engage with it. So feel free to reach out. Wonderful. We'll put links. So you guys, anyone out there wants to reach out to Krista, you can. Um, If you're listening, Krista, K-R-I-S-T-A-S-C-H-U-L-T-E. And Krista, it's been a joy having you on the cafe and hearing about young Professor Liker. That was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Take care. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Be sure to register for our next webinar coming up September 28th. The amazing, awesome Mike Osterling, co-author of Value Stream Mapping. The webinar is titled Value Stream Mapping, (laughs) charting the course and unveiling the power. If you ever wanted some solid advice and practical tips on Value Stream Mapping or really anything, Mike is an awesome guy around that. He is the man. And... Have you ordered Elizabeth's book yet? Be sure to get a copy of the best-selling Picture Yourself a Leader because you are one whether you know it or not and you can get better at it. All the links are going to be shared below. And be sure to check out Baby Got Tools, Tracy's new hit lean parody rap video. It will pump you up to crush waste. (laughs) And hey, did you guys want, do you want to meet me and Elizabeth in person? Well, we'd love to meet you. Uh, So you need to come to the AME, Association for Manufacturing Excellence, their annual conference in Cleveland from October 30th to November 2nd. Come hang with us. We'll leave you the registration link on our website. It's going to be amazing. That is one of my favorite conferences of all time, really. And lastly, Elizabeth and I are reissuing our book, The Problem Solvers Toolkit, this fall. The demand for our book keeps going up. And so Elizabeth and I are giving it some TLC, so we'll keep you posted on the relaunch. So stay tuned for all the news by joining our community at the Just In Time Cafe. And I already spelled it before, but I'll spell it again. That's J-I-T-C-A-F-E dot com. Thanks again. We love your company. The Just In Time Cafe is a great place to spend your time. And we are dedicated to making us all more brilliant one episode at a time.
<laughs> Join us next month and every month. I think Elizabeth and I have had enough caffeine today, but you can come every month to get your jolt of lean caffeine. Yeah, we got to turn off the excitable mode on the right Sonic. <laughs> yeah, on the right Sonic. We left it on. We left it on. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.